podcast is a part of Dear Asian Youth, a youth-led magazine aimed towards Asian activism for Asian youth by Asian youth. Follow us on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, etc. at Dear Asian Youth and at Dear Asian Girl to get updates on all the latest articles, poetry and prose, podcasts, campaigns, and more. Dear Asian Girl, a podcast dedicated to uplift and share Asian girls' stories everywhere. Today, we'll be talking about college expectations, advice, and more with Angelica Song from Your College Sis. Hello, everyone. Alina here. And for today's Your Asian Girl episode, we will talk about um, the college experience and things related to college and we have included an interview with your college sis, um, where Jen and Nana, the other co-hosts, interviewed her and discussed her experiences with college and just life in general. So for my segment, I will just be talking about my experiences with um, college prep and um, how being a part of the Asian community influences my um, academic experience. Um, in regards to college. So, <laughs> where to start? I honestly don't know. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I mean, I guess first thing to mention, I am going to be a junior this year. My classes start in three weeks. And so, as everyone knows, junior year is considered one of the most hectic um, high school years. <laughs> so, I will be doing a lot of college prep and I'm not the best to be giving out advice, but I guess I'll just be talking about my experiences and just see how you guys can relate to them and just share my um, experiences with college prep. And as an Asian youth whose family stresses the importance of academics, um, so yeah, I will be a junior and over the past few years, just like any other Asian Gen Z, um, my parents have been stressing the importance of SAT prep and college prep ever since I was in like eighth grade, seventh grade, maybe if I'm being very, very, um, very forgiving. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess my experiences with college prep, my parents, when I was younger, honestly stressed academics a lot. And that kind of gave me this mindset that if I don't get into a good college or if I don't work hard for college I will not succeed and it wasn't their fault for that but I just think it's just as a Gen Z part of the Asian community this has just been ingrained in our mindsets ever since our um, past generations have immigrated here it's always just been about working hard making a life finding financial stability and you know all things like that so it's just this ingrained idea of having to work hard and really emphasize the importance of academics um, and college and that college was everything leading up to college from middle school to high school was trying to get you into a good college. So with my experiences with that, I've realized that there's just this ingrained amount of stress, the subconscious stress that's always on me to have to work hard to get into college. And I think the older I got, my parents also realized this as well, that it doesn't matter what type of college you get into, whether you get into Harvard or not. It really just is about the type of person you become and kind of what you do with the resources you have. So I am not one to give advice, but I think at times it's difficult for us to realize that at the end of the day, in the big picture, none of this really matters. I think it's more important to focus on 
being happy and doing things that you enjoy rather than working your ass off to get into like Harvard um obviously I don't expect to get into Harvard but I think that's one thing that we should always keep in mind because in the Asian community and in any minority community I find that there's you just have to fight and work like 20 times as hard as your white counterpart um to get into um or to succeed in general so to anyone who's really struggling out there with this whole college prep process just remember that at the end of the day it doesn't matter what school you go to that doesn't determine who you are um and I think that's important to remember so not that I'm wanting to give advice um <laughs> but with that being said um I hope that this helped someone and that you guys are able to learn something from me just talking to myself um but yeah Hi everyone, my name is Genesis, and as Alina mentioned previously, today we're going to be talking, individually talking, about our own personal experiences with college and the college admission process and college expectations with our parents, our peers, our friends, and everything, and just expectations that we put upon ourselves from, I guess, internalized stereotypes from being an Asian. So, personally, Um, My experience with the college admission process is happening right now. I am a rising senior and I've been working on perfecting and editing and finalizing my college apps. And that's really stressful and scary time for me because due to the COVID-19 pandemic, everything's kind of just been on the loops and on the fence, especially with standardized testing, which I think I've mentioned previously before in this podcast so many times because I'm just very stressed out about it. And the thing is about me, I'm the type of person where I just tend to push everything back to the last minute when it comes to stressful things like this because I just don't have the, I guess, grit to do so. Unless if it's like last minute, super crazy, then I go full on intensity mode. So as of right now, I am currently studying for my SAT, ACT, and there's there's always been an expectation upon me to do well, but in terms of my parents, they haven't heavily put that pressure on me. They've always wanted me to succeed. They've always wanted me to do the best that I can be. And the stereotype of being a Filipino American is being a nurse, but my parents have always been supportive in which I don't have to go that route. And I'm very glad and I'm very, I just have this privilege that They want me to do whatever I can be to be happy, but also financially stable. So as a result, I want to major in communications, and that's something I've heavily pressed on since freshman year. So as a result, I've always catered my after-school activities, my classes directly to enhance me being a good communications major when I do apply to college. So for example, I would take IPC, which was interpersonal communications class, which was required by our school, but it was something that I've always tried to succeed in. So I would always get the best grade in the class and I would study 10 times harder. So as a result, I got an A in the class, which I'm very grateful for, but that was also something that like took months of just practicing and studying and I just but also the thing is about me is I have a passion for it so it wasn't anything like I had to do it I wasn't forced it was something 
really like motivated in me and that's why I decide to go to communications because it's something that doesn't require me to do work well I don't feel like it has to do work for me um and then maybe junior years I've I'm in speech team and I am a manager at my local radio station so this is ultimately preparing me to just succeed and be the best I can be and my parents have always been proud of me for that and I love them for that that they've always been my little support system my little cheerleaders um I just understand where they come from in terms of everything just deadlines and knowing when um my letters of record due and everything like that they're also just nervous because I am also the oldest in the family and the oldest holds a very certain responsibility when it comes to this because they are the first stepping stones and breaking the mold in which um, my parents will now finally discover how to set up this college process for my other two younger brothers in the family so it's I wouldn't say that I'm an experiment but I low-key <laughs> So, which is kind of, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Does it piss me off? Maybe a little, but like, I didn't ask for it. Like, it was all upon me. So, but I'm happy that my parents now know what to do in terms of my brothers so that they can succeed later on in life. Um, but it kind of screwed me over for a hot second because I was so confused on what to do. And my parents were just as, not just as confused, but just were a little hesitant on starting stuff. Didn't really know what to do. But I'm just happy that I was always so motivated to just be in this specific niche, I guess you can say, in my like my potential career, that I catered everything to that. So I'm just really happy about that and everything. So my advice to the Asian girls out there or anyone listening in general is I would recommend this. Do not be defined by your stereotype. As a girl growing up in America as a Filipino-American, I have been brought by society and by family, just a little, a little my parents as a joke, would say, are you going to be a nurse when you're older? And there's nothing wrong with being a nurse at all. They are essential, especially now during the COVID-19 pandemic, they are essential workers and they are crucial to the healthcare facilities. And if you have a passion for nursing, then do it. But if you're not doing what you love, if you don't have a passion for it, then why are you doing it? Life is way too short and you're going to be miserable if you don't do what you love. And that's what my parents have always brought me to believe in. And they've grown up and they've instilled that in my brain that if you work hard and you succeed and you really start from the bottom up and doing what you love, then why not pursue it? As long as you find a side hustle in which you can make yourself financially stable and overall just get that money as well, then there's nothing wrong with it. There will always be a way to provide. So long story short is just do what you love and don't be defined by your stereotype in order to do so but thank you guys so much for listening um up next we're gonna have nana on her part about her college standards
college is something I've basically been geared towards my whole life, specifically Ivy Leagues. Whenever you drop the name Harvard or Yale or other schools like that, heads will instantly turn. It seems like so many opportunities are open to you once you're part of those elite schools, as if you have a sense of superiority around you. And people will look at you in a certain way with more respect. They'll treat you with more intellect or have give you more credibility or weight to your thoughts and it's something that's so competitive and seemingly unattainable for so many people or me yet it's been portrayed as my ideal future only future if i want to have a successful career and since i was a kid there have been comments like oh my gosh look at my daughter reading so many books at such a young age she is gonna go to yale or if ever i'm having a conversation with my parents about college there are things like oh any school would be lucky to have you and of course there's a huge bias there but i'll hear my parents talk about other kids you know family friends and be disappointed when they hear someone only got into ucla keyword only even though i know for so many people it would be a huge feat or a huge accomplishment and even though I'm held to incredibly high standards, I'm honestly grateful for it because it gives me something to be motivated about instead of just lying in my bed throughout quarantine. It gives me something to work towards or be motivated by. And I don't always recognize this, but it's something I'm really lucky to have to be able to grow up with parents who really deeply care about my education as well as education in general. And caring about college in that passionate way has definitely rubbed off on me because it feels like I have way too much stress about college. Like, I'll stress about being a freshman in high school because I feel like I have to start doing things to prove to colleges that I'm worthy of being accepted. And I'm sure a lot of teenagers can relate to this, that we feel as if we have to cure cancer, do some amazing accomplishment just to be seen as worthy. And this pressure is, like, really detrimental to some people and definitely for me in some situations, but... This summer it's been really positive for me because it helped me find Asian youth and it has taught me literally so much about social justice, things like that, and skills with collaboration and organization. But it's sad that the initial reason I would partake in social justice and such important issues was mainly because I wanted to get involved in organizations and have something on my resume that looks interesting or unique. And I think a lot of people can relate to that too just trying to do something that would be considered amazing or morally good just to please some admissions officer halfway across the nation. And in addition to just getting out there, getting involved, getting your hands dirty, there's also the part where you have to figure out and be decisive about where you spend and allocate your time so that you can do things like volunteer work, taking classes, internships in the same area as the career you're going to pursue because you can't really take all these courses in STEM, for example, and do research in labs and then apply to college and switch to writing in humanities. It wouldn't make sense. And colleges apparently are really keen to students who are so high and go above and beyond in one specific area. And it's something that where you kind of can't go back from a certain path that you're already on and you have to stay stuck to that path if you want to look good to college admissions. Like for me with social justice, I've been participating a lot in social justice and even though it's something I am passionate about, it does limit my options to branch out, which does seem a bit scary or even daunting. And I find it kind of crazy that at such a young age, teenagers are expected to choose a path that could basically alter the course of their life. And not that teenagers aren't capable of making decisions like that. It's just that we aren't even adults. We can't, we don't, maybe some of us don't even have licenses. Like there's a long way to go 
before we should stick to one path and not be able to branch out and experience and try more things. And then on top of not being able to see where you want to spend your time, there's also the problem of social life and being able to balance things like that. For example, I'll feel upset for not taking advantage of the so-called best years of my life, aka high school, because I want to make those high school memories or spend time with my friends, experience things, but in those moments, like whenever I'm just in a social setting, part of my mind will be whispering, this is worthless, this is time you could be putting towards being productive, and it's something that it's been really hard for me to balance in the past, whether it's in elementary school or middle school, and even though it is something I'm struggling with, I think it's good that I'm struggling with it now and figuring it out, because it's not like when I go to college, it's the finish line where I get to say, oh, I'm set for life, this is the end, this is the finish line, like, there's nothing after this, I don't need to put any more effort, because that's not true, there's graduation, finding jobs, figuring out how to be financially secure and independent, along with finding new people, making new connections, and making memories in college, so I think getting a head start on figuring that out now is also really important, yet another problem or stress in terms of high school and college. And truth is, there is so much out of my control, and I think it's something that I'm yet to understand fully, because never in a million years would I have thought that I would need to do everything through a Zoom call or through a computer screen, and even though it's daunting not be able to control circumstances like this, it's just an important thing to understand for me especially, and I also have to understand that I cannot control how admissions officers are going to see me, and... And honestly, I think the best thing I can do, and just advice to people who are also my age or in the stage of applying to college, I think the best thing we can do is take one step at a time, look at the bigger picture, not everything is the end of the world, if you get one B, it's not going to change the course of your life, and really, you just have to see where time takes you. Hi, I'm Angelica. I'm a senior at UC Berkeley, and I study business and nutritional science. Right now, I'm also an intern in product marketing at Google. On the side, I also create content online, whether that is college lifestyle beauty, um, definitely geared towards a Gen Z audience, and just being more candid and transparent about my um, experiences with everything. And so um, I started my social media in January 2020, and everything has grown since then. So it's been um, really great to meet new people like you all and just interact with more people online no it was super cool because i remember seeing one of your tiktok videos <laughs> on my for you page and it was something like how to get the perfect score in your act sat and i i remember that one like blew up like exponentially and i was like oh this is so cool so then i started following you and i started updating and like all the things and i just loved your account and i loved that like what you stood for and like your colleges and how you like enhance Gen Z voices and everything and how you like give us advice, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic where everything's just so uncertain and especially for rising seniors as in general. So can you like talk about like your experience of like being a rising senior and how like the college application went for you? So I was extremely fortunate enough to go to a very competitive and academically rigorous high school and my community and my city, it was very big. So going to college or applying to college wasn't something weird or different. It was really natural and very normal. I know not everybody has that same privilege and not every school culture is like, go to college, go to college. So yeah, it was only a really natural fit. And I applied to a mix of UCs, 
I applied to four UCs and then a whole bunch of like private schools. And um, I early decision to Columbia and I got deferred. And then um, eventually I got relisted and then I eventually didn't get in. So that's kind of like the landscape in Columbia at the time was like a dream school. So I really wanted to go there. Um, but yeah, but when application results came out, you know, I, you know, heard back from great schools and great UCs. And then I decided to go to UC Berkeley because one, it's in state and two, it had a really strong business program that was, you know, ranked one, two, three on every caliber listing there is. And not to say all rankings matter at all, but especially like a profession like business name value does have a lot of power, um, in the business world. So that's one of the reasons I came and it was a great way to get away from Southern California just for a little bit and experience more Cal. Yeah, that's great. Do you think you could talk more about how in the business world names and popular colleges are so important to you and how they can really up your social status, you can even say? So more so than important to me, because uh, I don't think it's right that we like uh, yeah. prioritize other schools and others, but it's the system that the industries, they they have target schools that they pick jobs from, right? So mm-hmm. Berkeley is a target school. And so as students, we can't help but fall for that name brand, not just because it's on a ranking sheet somewhere, but because these are the schools that recruiters for jobs and companies um, come to and look for students, right? Not to say that you can't get a job if you're not at a target school, but it is a little harder and is a privilege to go to a target school where a lot of companies recruit at. And so I am definitely aware that, um, that, that how lucky I am. I see her like going in as a rising senior and figuring out what colleges and what schools I like want to, I've always been thinking about like these name brand colleges in which like will look good on my resume and look good on my like employment basis. And just especially being like an Asian girl in which that whole model minority myth comes into play in which especially like uh, we are perceived as the more smarter people in our industry and in our business. So how has been your experience being like an Asian girl and going into this whole admissions process and like the stereotypes that have come to you? Yeah, um, that's a really great question. You know, obviously I'm much like over that stuff of like admissions and stuff, but I couldn't help but wonder sometimes would I have gotten in if I wasn't an Asian American girl, right? Um, you can't help but question that sometimes model minority myth, it plays, not sometimes, all the time against Asian Americans that are both high achieving and low achieving, right? It really hurts everybody um, because they're, there's certain level expectation. And even if you meet that like awesome expectation, because you meet it, it's like, well, you're no special than the other 10 other Asian Americans you let in, right? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that was definitely something that I was cognizant about. And I think what helped was that I did pursue a lot of non-stereotypical Asian American activities. Mm -hmm. I grew up as a figure skater, heavy in the dance community, the theater community, all that stuff. So that allowed me to, um, you know, less like atypical Asian American experiences that hopefully or I think helped me stand out. Uh, But I know not everybody, like maybe some people really just just genuinely enjoys the stereotypical Asian American activities, right? Like piano or violin or math Olympiad or whatever, you know, all those stereotypes. Like, no, there's Asian Americans who actually enjoy that, right? Like, regardless of their race, it just coincidentally, they're also in the category of that yeah. stereotype. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that I had in mind and was wondering about. 
And it's funny because I'm actually in sort of an opposite position as Jen, where I'm as a freshman and here I am with all these things in high school that are telling you, oh, you have to start going towards this path because you need to gear yourself towards looking like you're the biggest expert in Serena and you're not be able to try out and branch out things because you have to focus and hone on one specific category or specific career option. So do you have any like advice for that? Any insight you could offer? I think that you can be a little bit of both. Like you can explore a whole bunch of things and then also in that process, figure out what your spike is. And I don't think you have to figure out what your spike is um, even until after college. And I think that it can, I mean, sure you can do that and you can pick like, let's say all math activities as soon as you enter. Um, But I'm not sure how fulfilling that will be. And, you know, to each their own, if people want to do that and they go to college or if you want to try different things, I would definitely encourage people to, if you're not sure what to do and you don't have the privilege to just, I don't care what happens with college application results, then maybe try a mix of both and be smart about it. Sure, try small things here and there, like push yourself to try new things, but also be aware of like how to spend your time wisely, not to waste your time and choosing things that it's going to be in line with you. And also you don't have to put every single thing you do on your resume, right? You can pick and choose what you want to highlight. And so some things you just do because you want to do it for yourself, not for a college app. So I think it's finding that balance. Thanks. Yeah. And especially at such a young age, like we're basically still developing at the moment. We're teens, so we shouldn't exactly know what we're going to do with our rest of our life. So thank you for that. Yeah. I think you, something that you brought up that I really, really liked and how you mentioned is that like some people just do it because they like it. Like, for example, like they aren't stuck to this specific stereotype, but due to society's norms and like, for especially, for example, like Asians playing the piano, like that's stereotypically known for them being played. And like, just having those things on your resume and like putting them down has made you seem like any other Asian. And that doesn't make you stand out for who you are, even though you really, really like piano. And I guess that also comes with the pressure of your parents and especially my experience. I've never really had it because my parents have always been the not the stereotypical parents in which they do um, push me to be like a doctor or a lawyer or I'm a Filipino American, a nurse. So it's very um, good that my parents have totally break, breaking the mold and shift that. But like, have you ever had those experiences in which like, in terms of your parents has like pressured you to be this certain way, especially considering you are a business major? So my parents, so I'm, I guess, technically one and a half generation. My dad came to the United States when he was 13. So he did go to high school here and college here, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't born here. And then I was the first one to be born here citizen. So I guess that makes me one and a half generation uh, Korean American and also a student. I guess it'd be second generation because my dad did go to the States here and he did go to college. But my parents are very, and I don't like saying this word because I don't even know what this means, but my parents are very non-typical tiger Asian American parents or Asian parents. They're super, um, they're all about effort and trying your best. But I know that like situation is different for every household. And for example, for me, like I know that I work hard and I try a lot and that's just kind of my personality. So my parents never had to really push me because they saw that I was crying. And maybe with my brother, they were like, my younger brother, maybe a little bit more nagging and like a little bit more strict, not strict per se, but being more, hey, do this, why aren't you doing this? Because my brother 
um, was not as proactive as I would in high school at least. But for me, I have not experienced like the typical stuff. Um, I expressed, int- I mean, I finished most of the pre-med pathway at Berkeley. I was interested in business and pre-med. And of course, my parents got very, very excited when I, you know, mentioned the possibility of like going to medical school. And, but they love that I'm doing, working in tech and um, that I'm working at Google and they're so proud. And um, yeah, and they, they trust that I will make it work for myself in marketing. And even though, you know, stereotypically marketing is not the highest revered um, pathway at great big companies, it's very, very respected and there's a lot of growth. Um, so my parents, fortunately, I'm lucky that my parents are really supportive of me. That's great. I mean, it seems like you had a pretty good, open-minded environment, like in terms of schools where you had competition as an option, also like parents who were open-minded. So do you think if like you were in a different setting or a different atmosphere, things would have ended up differently or for the worse, for the better, either way? I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up as a competitive athlete. And so I've always been very a self-starter and very self-motivated. So I'd never struggled with fighting motivation. My brother, you know, boy you know, <laughs> doesn't really realize the stress of college apps until like a month before they're due but for me I was very and maybe it is the competitive like athlete in me but take everything very seriously like overachieving like doing a million things at once just on my own just because one I enjoyed it so much and two I think a part of me also knew like these were all the things I needed to be like do well with college apps mm-hmm. and all that stuff do well in school so there was definitely intrinsic intrinsically motivated because I really do enjoy a lot and um like doing doing it all those things and being involved so yeah I'm not sure what it would have been like if I was at like a less competitive high school or um yeah I'm not not sure I'm, I'm, I'm curious too yeah I think just having that good healthy balance of finding things that are like perfect for your resume, but also something that you're motiv- motivatively driven to do so is really essential. And I guess that's what they're really looking for in college apps is something that like, I know, for example, my counselors told me that you should stick to maybe like my freshman year, they told me to stick to one specific thing and then be a leader in that or do this or like go beyond and above like everything that you have been learning too so I think that's really cool that you mentioned how like motivated you were even as a like freshman or something because I, I was personally the same way like I would I'm the oldest too I guess so it's just like I guess it's just in me to just like right, constantly right. just be better be better um I've never my parents like similar to you they've never been like the tiger mom relationship in which they forced me to do things I was always so proactive and I always knew like the next step of what to do like for example like we're going into college apps right now and my dad's asking me about like supplemental essays I'm like okay like I I think I have it done like and then like my common app like it's always been there but I know like a lot of Asian girls have are dealing with tiger mom relationships in which it's hard for them to really break the barrier and break the mold of getting into that typical stereotype of just a doctor and a lawyer. So do you have like any advice on that for those Asian girls out there? So I can't speak for like other Asian communities, but at least for, and I can't speak for all the Korean community either, but from my experience of where I've noticed for especially with that tiger strict Korean American mom is that you have to, and not to justify their decisions and 
their parenting skills, whether it's right or wrong, but understanding the context of where that's coming from. Uh, for example, like South Korea was a is that the, was at the brink of entire government poverty, like the whole country was about to shut down 50 years ago. Yeah. And so within like 50, 60 years, this country has been, uh, so sorry, more than 50, 60 years, but in the last hundred years, it's been able to whip itself around and go from a nobody country to like a top 10 economy. So this culture of excellence was not even just out of prestige or to be snobby. It was like life or death for them, right? Like they have to be strict. They, there was no time for this. You have to be excellent. You have to go to the best schools. Like education was the only way out. And so, and those things are those professions and doctors and lawyers and engineers, those are stable jobs universally all across the world. And so when you take those types of people who come to America, that's still in their head um, of that mentality of such a strict culture of excellence. And I think, I mean, I hope it's getting better, but I think taking one step back and trying to realize like where their parents are coming from would be helpful. But then two, also being mindful of like your boundaries and like putting yourself first, but not, I don't want to say putting yourself first in like the selfish way of don't listen to your parents, right? Mm-hmm. But putting yourself first and making sure that you are like doing your best, right? Like putting the best of effort you can to your best of ability and um, figuring things out to your absolute best. And if your parents are still on your case, then you know that it's really not a you problem. It's a them problem. And like, you know, but maybe if you are slacking off, like maybe that is the reason and figuring out why you are slacking off. And, um, and I don't think there's like a single correct or like a wrong or right answer, but I think just one, trying to understand. And then two, you know, making sure that you put yourself first, but not in a selfish way, because, you know, a lot of Asian American families and you don't owe anybody anything but I know a lot of people want to help their parents one day or they want to take care of their parents and that's instilled in Asian American culture like wanting to take care of our parents and although they never ask for it or it's never like a spoken thing but it's that figuring out how we could honor our parents but also put ourselves first. I think it's really great what you're saying especially for I can't personally relate to this but immigrants who whose parents have come here with lots of sacrifice and most likely have these standards for their children of how they're going to achieve these opportunities achieve their dreams that they possibly couldn't have reached beforehand and i think that pressure is something that could if alleviated would be better for them especially what you just said would be great for them to hear yeah i was talking to actually my mom this morning about her experience and like because she i'm like the first generation of a filipino american family like the big pile family And my mom was telling me about this generational divide between me and her and how like she's never experienced the the things that I'm experiencing and and I will never understand what she's experienced in the the mainland because I've grown up here. So I've had to deal with like the white supremacy and the BIPOC um, struggles here in America. Well, she's never had to deal with that, but she's had to deal with so many other things like things in the home, the mainland are so different from now. Like I have this certain privilege of living in a really nice home and a really nice community. And I'm able to have tutors for my SAT and my ACT. I'm able to have a laptop in which I can do my common apps on really easily. And I have all these things that my mom back then never had. So having that good middle ground, I guess, between your mom and my mom is really beneficial in order for you to find that. And like, like you said, like, understanding where they do come from but also setting boundaries for yourself I think is like the best way to address like the college pressure I guess in Asian families 
think at the end of the day, like parents just want to see that you have a plan. And so if you want to pursue something that's like quote unquote less stable, but then tell them what your plan is. Like tell them your plan. If it does, like tell them you're going to pursue this during the day, but then to pay the bills, you're going to do this at night. Like people just want to know you have a plan. If it's not a typical career doctor or lawyer, they just want to make sure that you're going to be okay financially. And so give them that assurance. And, and I don't say you have to explain yourself to your parents, but they just want to know that you're going to be okay. And so explain that plan of I'm going to do this and this, and you know, I'm going to get this my beauty license, but then on the side, I'm also going to be doing these classes. Like, now, having an explanation of things that might work, like professions that what might worry your parent is another good way instead of just being like, well, I'm going to do this and like, you're going to have to deal with it. And like, no, just walk them through the process of like, why you made the decisions you did and the rationale and how you plan to be stable. Because most people pick a job, they're like, I can do this and I feel like I can still also be stable. So do your research and, you know, come up with a plan. I feel like parents will be more open to it. to ask you about how you started up your brand your college service and what gave you the idea and how did you start your platform on TikTok and like all this culture surrounding it yeah so I started TikTok and YouTube and everything kind of seriously tried to grow in January 2020 I didn't have I think I had zero followers in January I had maybe 500 subscribers on YouTube because I would post here and there but definitely not consistent but and I think that's a reason why I still kept my TikTok name as Angelica Song because your college sis is just like a small portion of me. Um, I post about other things and I like post like funny stuff or like just like memes. But um, yeah, and then I think I was just posting so early on. I post college tips and internship advice. And then people would just be like, oh my God, you're like the older sister you never had. Like older sis vibes, big sis, no college sis. And so, you know, I don't even name myself. Like the market named itself yeah. because... I think people could tell that there was no agenda behind what I'm saying and they can generally see that my tips that I'm offering are not the super obvious ones and I'm actually trying to help people. So then people just started coining the name, you know, sis, like, love you girl, you know, you're not the older sister I never had. And then that's where I came up with your college sis to just kind of brand that together. And then I, this month in January, I'm sorry, July, I launched officially your college sis Instagram, which is kind of like a hub of just all the posts, like the TikToks and the graphics and centralizing all that information instead of putting that on my personal account. Because my personal Instagram is just still like, I guess, my lifestyle in college and I can post anything about it. And that's still growing as well. But then your college sis is like a strictly you know, those like resource community type yeah. pages. So yeah, that's why I came up with that. And I think I was able to grow fast, to be honest, because people are home watching. Like at the same time I was home, people were also home watching and conveniently I got lucky. And I think if not, I was, or I am the first college TikTok person that really grew it. Um, and now I know there's a whole bunch of college TikTokers doing very similar things to I'm doing. I was just going to say. <laughs> but I mean, that mean, I mean, it's because they know it works, and mm -hmm. it, it, it does work. And um, But I swear I was, if not the first, one of the, like, first ones who did the whole, like, text on screen, like, heavy text on yeah. screen while dancing. I feel like that yeah. was coined by me. <laughs> I, no, I swear, no, I swear you were one of the first people ever, because I've, like, 
early like March when you really started popping off, I remember like you were one of the forefronts and now I've seen like a bunch on my For You page. Because of course, like now I'm, I think I'm stuck yeah, in college yeah. TikTok, <laughs> the TikTok for you page. So now I just see a bunch of like people for like, oh, I'm from New York. I go to NYU and here I'm doing like all these TikToks. But I think you were one of the first like, like advocates for and really heavily yeah. setting up your brand and having that really established set of like TikToks in which like people can refer to constantly. Because I know you get a lot of shares and you get a lot of like publishes and like a lot of people commenting like, oh, this is like really, really good advice. And I like that it was perfect, like you said, during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic in which there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding like everything. And just having that little source of outlet has been really awesome. Yeah, I, it's been, I mean, everything is date stamped, so people can definitely scroll back and see where my first ones were starting to pop off. But um, it's crazy, like, people recognize, like, hey, you're that girl dancing on the, with the college tips, right? Like, even if they're not, don't follow my content. Like, I think it's I've been, it's a crazy app that gets your stuff in front of so many eyeballs. So, yeah, it's been great. Um, and I'm super lucky, and I'm um, excited to continue. We typically do this at the end of every single podcast that we do with a guest. Um, our question is, do you have any advice for any of the Asian girls out there listening to our podcast? I would say, and it's not even just Asian specific, but girls, you know, I know this is going to sound like you can't apply this very well, but you really cannot care about what other people think. Um, your closest friends are always going to be super supportive of whatever you do. And, um, yeah, just really don't worry about all the white noise. And I promise, like, everything turns out the way it should be. And, you know, especially when we're young, we think everything is a big deal. And I still think any kind of minor inconvenience in my life, I'm so dramatic. But <laughs> it's so small and not important. And um, things will get better. And there's always something better waiting for you. So hope you guys stay positive. more of Dear Asian Girl? You can find us everywhere on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. We're on everything. Can't get enough? Subscribe, follow, rate, review to get all the updates and latest on DAG. Let us know your feedback and what we can do to improve. Want to be part of the podcast or Dear Asian Youth? Go on DearAsianYouth.org and click contact to be part of the DAG and they team. We'd love to have more hosts. We have our own Instagram. Follow us at Dear Asian Girl to receive updates on all the latest episodes and fun fact about the hosts. We'd love for you to reach out. Dear AG, Dear Asian Girl, a podcast dedicated to uplift and share Asian girl stories everywhere. For the Asian Girl, by the Asian Girl. Logo by Kristen Hugh, produced and edited by Genesis, and produced on Amazon.